0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the fabulous 54 Below. Before we get started this evening, just a polite reminder. Please take this moment to silence your cell phones, and also there is no flash photography, please. (laughs)
1: Welcome to the 54 Below Podcast. I'm Nella Vera, the club's head of marketing. Our guest today is Tony Award winner Santino Fontana, who has starred on Broadway in Tootsie, Hello Dolly, Act One, Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella, and many, many more. He is perhaps best known to audiences as the voice of the villainous Prince Hans in the Academy Award winning animated film Frozen. Frozen. Television audiences also saw him on the most recent season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and recognize him from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, Shades of Blue, Mozart in the Jungle, Bossy Verdon, and more. Santino Fontana, welcome to our podcast.
2: Thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
1: We're so excited for your upcoming show. It's an encore of a show that you've already done with us and was so popular that we brought you back. Tell me, um, where did you get the idea for that particular show?
2: I think – well, I was – I always uh, stressed over I, – I avoided performing in like a solo show for a very, very, very long time, mostly because I – the stress of figuring out what am I going to sing and what's the order and what should I talk about? And all of, it's all just very stressful to me. I prefer like a script that somebody else wrote. (laughs) Um, and, uh, anyway, so I also love improv. And so I just thought, you know what, why don't I just put this on the audience? So that's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, basically I, I have about 20, 25 songs that I bring, and I, uh, they correlate to a certain number, and each number is uh, on a piece of paper in a hat or a bowl or a jar, or whatever I end up using. And then the audience kind of picks the order and the songs. And it, that way, um, if the audience doesn't like the evening, it's kind of their fault.
1: <laughs> well, it was delightful and so, so fun. And I think a lot of people who are used to seeing you uh, do concerts in a tux were very surprised at how – funny and off the cuff, maybe a bit PG-13, the show was. It was a totally different side of you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you know, everybody has a different entry point, I think, to most uh, performers. People know me from different things. I mean, I have a, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, but that's what's also great is we don't know what's going to happen when the show starts. So I kind of have to stay on my toes and I like that. I think that's, you know, I always was taught um, whatever's actually happening is more interesting than whatever you planned. And yeah. uh, this kind of forces that to happen.
1: Yeah, no, totally, totally. It definitely was, you know, my favorite show of the year. And I've been telling oh, everybody. thank um, you. I, thank you I, thank did, you. I came back to see it twice because, you know, there were songs that I thought would be uh, sung on the second time that I saw it that were not. The first
2: time. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to ask you, what show was your Broadway debut?
2: "Sunny in the Park" with George, the first revival, the revival with Daniel Evans and Jenna Russell at the Roundabout.
1: Oh, wonderful! And that was the one that came from the West End, right?
2: Yes, it came from London. Um, it was two thousand seven or eight. Um, yeah, at fifty at Studio Fifty Four, just How upstairs.
1: Yeah. So what did it feel like to make your Broadway debut with such an amazing classic like that? Do you remember when you got the offer?
2: I I remember finding out that they I remember getting the offer and being very excited. And then I remember them asking or telling me that I would be understudying. And I was like, Oh, no, I don't want to understudy. (laughs) I don't think I'd be a good understudy. And that terrifies me. And they were like, you don't have a choice. That's what you're doing, or you're not in it. So I was like, okay. And uh, luckily, I never went on. Uh, Again, those Brits are hardcore. And he had Daniel had um, his wisdom teeth removed and i thought oh i'm going on and we did a put in and everything and then he still didn't miss
1: (laughs) oh my gosh
2: yeah but i do remember the first my first entrance as the soldier i remember the way that it worked i like kind of had to like jump out uh for the first time so you go from like not having any you don't walk on or anything and um I remember being very. I remember the first time I did it with an audience. It was exciting and kind of like, "Oh wow, that will never that will never happen again." That first time will never happen again.
1: But oh, yeah, wonderful. it was a great experience. So, do you think it's a part that you want to play one day, George? Sure. <laughs> you know, I don't know.
2: I, I'm not opposed, but I, I mean, uh, sure. But I also feel like it was just done very well, and uh, you know I I, I know, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I try to, you know, so much about being an actor is having your heart broken, whether you're in a, in a role and your job is to have your heart broken, which most of the time it is, or a lot of times it is, or you don't get something that you really wanted and your heart is broken, or you do get something you wanted and it turns out not to be great and you're heart broken, or it's an amazing experience and then it has to come to an end. And you're heartbroken. So the idea of adding ways to be heartbroken, like having dream roles (laughs) (laughs) that you have very little control over making happen, I try to, I try to stop that. Only not because I don't want to play those parts, but because there are lots of parts and there's lots of opportunities, or hopefully. So I try not to get too fixated on any one.
1: That's such a healthy attitude.
2: (laughs) Thank you. I try. I tried. You know so
1: much, like you said, theater is so transient, and it does come to an end, and we all get super sad, you know, when it's over, and it's like, well, that's why it's so special, um, exactly. You know that it doesn't happen again, and um, you know I'm all for streaming shows and and giving people who can't make it in person or are not able to leave their homes for whatever reasons a chance to see some shows, but the specialness of theater is always that, you know, it that's it you caught the live performance and sometimes i say to myself i don't mind getting older because i you know i was lucky enough to see so many of my favorite shows like live that you know i hear young people now saying oh i wish i could have seen that show i'm like okay well i'm old enough that if i have to get older at least i did get to see you know those shows i got to see tommy as an you know as a young intern but i you know that'll never happen again so it's just um yeah. yeah. I love that. Um one of my favorite shows that I saw you do was 1776 at City Center with oh. this crazy fantastic cast that included John Larroquette as Ben Franklin. How was mm-hmm. that experience
2: for you? Amazing. I loved that experience. That was I loved it. I met William Daniels, the original John Adams. Oh my. Uh, Gary Gary Hines directed it. She was great. Um I really loved the, you know, I didn't know. I'm trying to remember. Was Zorba? I think Zorba was the first uh, Encores that I did, and I was a little scared or kind of like, "What is this? This seems very fast and not a lot of preparation." But ultimately, that becomes, I think, the one of the, its best attributes because you're not able, you're not given the time to second guess everything, and they cast them, I think, really incredibly well because everybody. Who is asked to do it? They're not taking chances on can this person do it? yeah, you know like it's a matter of let's see what's gonna happen, but everybody you know you have like ten days or something, so um, you get these great people that are all kind of terrified at the same level and uh also good at what they do and yeah, it was it's great i mean i I love that that book uh you know, the script of that musical is pretty. Pretty great. Yeah, um,
1: it's pretty amazing.
2: It's amazing. Wow. Yeah.
1: So when you said ten days, I mean, do, do actors come in off book into that process, no. or do you, do you just I mean, figure it out? I guess some
2: people do. I, I, although I don't think I've ever worked. I've, none of the ones I've done, anyone ever has. Um, but it because and during the seventeen seventy six, you know, there is like a forty page scene in the middle at the beginning of the show where Uh there's no songs. And I think we thought some of that would get cut and it wasn't because you couldn't cut it. But uh, I was basically begging, I was offering money to the castmates to be like, please do not get memorized please do not be memorized. Because I have all the I have so many freaking lines. And I do not want to look like the only idiot with a book and everyone else is memorized. So I remember asking like Geminiani, like begging him like, please, please hold your book, please. And then of course, by the end, we were all off book because you do it enough. Also, if it's really well written, which isn't always the case with an encore show, but if it is really well written, uh, it sticks very easily because it's all logical.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, but no, I love and, I love that.
1: And I think also with that particular show, I think not being too rehearsed probably helped it because of the nature of what's happening. They're all like, you know, it so, feels so spontaneous and they're having this argument and that's the mm-hmm. nature of Congress that they all kind of talk over each other and yell at each other. And so it felt so real and... Um, you know, I think that that maybe for an encore show that was perfect to not rehearse this show to death because it felt really spontaneous and like everybody was just talking and having that conversation.
2: Yeah, great, thank you. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that is exactly what we've yeah, yeah, It was for. So
1: fantastic. I just loved it. I wish that it had you know gone on. I know.
2: So- <laughs> I know. Oh,
1: well. <laughs> do You um, you received your first Tony nomination for playing Prince Topher in Cinderella in 2013, mm-hmm. playing a somewhat non-traditional prince. Um, when you got the offer for the part, was there any hesitation, or did you immediately jump and said, oh, yeah, I want to do this?
2: No. Initially, I said Robin Goodman was the producer of Sons of the Prophet, which I was doing at the Roundabout, which was an off-Broadway play a uh, straight play. And, uh, she said, you know, people don't know that you can really sing. Do you want to do Cinderella? And I was like playing who she was, like, <laughs> and she said the Prince. And I was like, I'm not, the- no, no, I don't. No one wants me to play the Prince. Cause in my mind, you know, the Prince and Cinderella, all we knew is that, you know, he had a face and a, a crown, like, you know, nothing about him in yeah. the previous incarnation. And, uh, I said that and she said, just read the script. So I read the script. And of course the first line in the script is uh Prince Topher, you know, slays a dragon or a giant <laughs> and the dragon, dragon or the dragon falls to the ground and he puts his foot on the dragon. And he lifts his sword in the air and says, I just wish I was doing something more important with my life. Um, and I knew, <laughs> okay, this is, this is different. And it's funny. And Doug Bean, I thought really smartly, Changed a bunch of stuff, which was great. So um, I, I hesitated. I also was doing a TV show. I was doing an episode of The Gifted Man, which was Patrick Wilson and Jennifer Ely. Mm-hmm. And uh, I played uh, with I'm playing opposite, actually, a friend of mine, Aya Cash, who I went, went to school with. But um, he took us to dinner one night towards the end of shooting, Patrick did, which is very kind of him, and wanted to like get to know us a little better. And uh, I told him, I was like, you know, I have this opportunity to be in Cinderella, or there was another play at the time at, I think, Manhattan Theater Club. And he said, oh, well, you have to do Cinderella. I was like, really? Why? And he was like, because do you know how few people get to sing those songs on Broadway? It's a very small group of people, and no one's ever sung those songs on Broadway, because Cinderella had never had a Broadway production. He's like, yeah, it's, that's a no brainer. He's like, you're doing that. <laughs> I was like, got oh, it. Man. Thank you. Um, no, I mean, yeah. You know,
1: he should know having done so many musicals and then film and TV exactly. as well. So he had a perspective, I guess. Um, yeah. It seems crazy that there's a time when you weren't known for, you know, being a singer. Yeah. That, well, I don't mention it. I do remember Sons of the Prophet and there was a, play before was it a Neil Simon Brighton
2: Beach, mem- yeah and Brighton Beach, Beach Memoirs I remember that. Um, yeah I've been in and even still to this day I've been in more plays than musicals in New York I mean I think Act One uh Importance of Being Earnest um yeah it's uh yeah that's great you know I mean that's <laughs> kind of what you want you want to like go yeah, back and totally. forth if the irony is that yeah like I said earlier though the, the entry point to every every artist is different for everybody right so i there's like i have some crazy which is great but really great fans who know me from doing an audiobook where i play a serial killer like that's their entry point i'm like all I right
1: listen, you okay. got audiobooks santino to
2: you yeah yeah
1: because so, i love audiobooks but i only love certain artists so because i some voices i can't listen to for 12 hours and yours was one that I could. I was like, "Well, I'm going to listen to that one." And I, I didn't even care what the book was. <laughs> you know. Like, there's a, oh, a, an actress, Jan- uh, January Lavoy, and she's great. Yeah. And I love yeah. all of January's books, and I don't care what it is, I'll listen to it just because I love hearing her voice for 12 hours. And when I saw that you were on there, it was you, right? It was the, yeah, the you,
2: Y O U, the book. You uh, was
1: like, I, well, I have to listen to that, and you know, listen to that for how many hours it was. So.
2: Yeah. But no. So
1: there are people. The yeah.
2: There was, a, I think, actually, 1776. There were people at the stage, or was it Rosewater? There was some something at City Center, and there was like there was like a handful of fans who had come from the U books, and wow. then they were next to like a girl who had little girl who had seen me in Cinderella. So it was it was the weirdest. <laughs> Everyone has their own, you know, uh, point of yeah. view. Um, That's
1: great, though. That's like showing. It great. Out. I try to keep mixing it up. Um, Speaking of princes, uh, Frozen, a complete cultural phenomenon. Um, I just want to, I'm curious, like, did you have to audition or did they just say Santino is perfect for this?
2: No, Um, no, I had auditioned for Tangled the year before the Frozen. and, uh, And I'd gotten called back for Tangled and then the next year they were doing something not, I mean, it was based, it's what frozen became, but there was a different script of it called the snow queen that I had auditioned for, for a very different role, like a comedic tour guide role that, and I got called back to that. And then right before the callbacks, they called and said, you know what, they're scrapping that movie altogether. They don't think it works. And, uh, then the next year there was a new script, for a different version of that same story. Um, of course, they don't send you the script, so I didn't get a script, but I did audition. I, I auditioned, I think, three or four times, and that was before uh, we started rehearsals for Cinderella because I remember the Cinderella workshop ended, and that's still, we're talking like a year before the production of Cinderella, and that that's the day I found out that I got it. So... Um, Again, this is way before, you know, a long time ago. Yeah, auditioned and um that is one of the numbers typically picked every evening in the in the show for <laughs> <at> block. <504Ball>. Uh, <laughs> and then I tell my little audition story, but um yeah.
1: Uh, so what yes. was it like to like when it became this huge hit? What was it like to be part of such a pop culture hit?
2: It's so strange. I mean, I think a life in show business is so strange anyway. But that really is the epitome of there's something incredible. I mean, it's amazing. And you feel very lucky to be in something that catches on the way that it did, and still does. Uh, But It's crazy to be walking through an airport and seeing, you know, toys and, you know, juice boxes with (laughs) these from the world that you're, you know, all of and then you're sitting on an airplane and the kids next to you are watching it or um, you have this huge secret, you know, you have a huge secret and you feel like, wow, you're you're so a part of so many people's lives. And yet it's all a secret. Nobody knows, you know, so it's also both lonely. It's, it's, it's a fascinating, it's both amazing and kind of feels, uh, you feel isolated in some ways. Um, But it's, yeah, I mean, I I would say there's so many experiences I've had like that in show business where you realize, oh, wow, this is not what, I don't know what I thought it would be, but it's, it's more complicated than that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's so popular with kids. Um, Are you, looking forward to having your own children see this movie
2: <laughs> my daughter you know my four i have a four-year-old and i have a one-year-old my four-year-old literally just she just watched it this summer for the first time and i was really um, hesitant but there were kids at her preschool who kept talking about it which already was complicated <laughs> and, did you and tell
1: her that was, you, was or like, did you just let her watch it
2: well, she at first wanted to hear, she, uh, she was talking about it. And I think we played the song and she said, I think she said like, he has the same voice as you. And then, <laughs> and, um, but you know, whatever. And then when we watched it, I was like, should we tell her like, this isn't real or that I'm not actually, you know, the villain or what should we say? And I, we didn't really know. And then after she watched the movie, which she really enjoyed, all she said is uh same thing as from the song. Like, you have the same voice as Prince Hans. You guys have the same voice. But not that I'm the same person. It's um, it's so and then that's it. Never talked about it again. You know, like just dropped it. So it's such just a thinks strange it's somebody
1: who sounds like you.
2: Or she thinks that, like, yeah, I don't even know. And I'm not gonna do- I mean, I do know there was a kid at preschool who said something about frozen and Grace told her. Uh, my daddy is the voice of Prince Hans ah. and the girl said no he's not <laughs> <laughs> and, then she, and then she came home and she said I tried to tell her and she said that you weren't and my, you know my wife and I were like well I am and you know I don't know what to tell her like what do you want to you know and then anyway it's just a strange a, strange...
1: <laughs> a free skull fight it's yeah. so- um, it's so funny. Kids are so particular. Um, you know, I, I, when they came out, my own nieces and nephews were obsessed with it. And I said to one of them, You know, uh, Auntie Nella worked with uh, Queen Elsa on a show once.
0: Mm-hmm. And then she
1: said to me, Yeah, but do you know Olaf? <laughs> so, oh, kind of, but no. And then sad. Because yeah. my friend, say I talked to Prince Hans the next time they yes. say that to me. And we Hilarious.
2: could definitely, I'm sure we could set up an introduction with you and Josh Gad. It's not hard. Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, it's funny, my boyfriend knows him from the Daily Show days. My boyfriend is a writer for the was a writer for the Daily Show. And huh. uh, he tells me all the time that he saw the Book of Mormon backstage like a dozen times but he never actually saw it from the audience
2: like he just because <laughs> oh, he was him. back there talking to him right yeah, so he wow. never,
1: yeah he's never actually seen the book of mormon but he's been watched it from the sides many times which is crazy um oh, wow. so uh you won a tony for the lead role in tootsie congratulations Thank amazing you. performance and in addition to your spectacular performance it had an amazing cast. So Lily Cooper, Sarah Styles, Andy Grolution, Had you worked with any of those actors before?
2: Oh, Lily. I had worked with Lily. I had written something that Lily did the first reading I'd ever done of something. Uh, we worked together and I worked with her dad. Of course, Chuck I'd worked with on something. And I'd also worked with Eddie, her brother on something Rose, uh, Rosewater and Chuck was in act one. So I knew Lily uh, and then, you know, the development of a musical is, is, it can be a very long process. The, my first reading of Tootsie, I, we did nine, nine readings or workshops of Tootsie over several years. So by the, by the time we got to production or perform, you know, rehearsals, we all knew each other cause we had done at least one of the readings together, if not several. So, um, but, no, the cast was incredible. Michael McGraw and Reg Rogers and
1: oh my Julie God, Halston Roger. and John
2: Bellman. And yeah. yeah, no, a great cast. I love So them.
1: fun. And had you, were you familiar with David Yazbek's music before the show? I just think yeah, he's a genius.
2: He is also an Emmy winner for uh, a comedy, uh, for Dave Letterman, a comedy writer. But um, he, you know, my fir- one of my first Broadway shows that I saw I was in New York, it was 2001, right before, and it was in August of 2001. And my best friends from home, from fifth grade, since fifth grade, came out and visited me in New York. And they were like, let's go see, I'm going to go see a Broadway show, which we see. And I was like, I think, you know, Full is supposed to be really funny, also Patrick Wilson. And mm-hmm. uh, we got, you know, rush tickets, which at the time were front row Oh, and I don't wow. know if you remember, but the first moment of Full Monty is Dennis Jones, who choreographed Tootsie, by the way. Dennis Jones, when he was still dancing, like comes out naked, almost practically naked yes. and does like a strip. It's like right in our faces because we're in the front row. And my friends, these three like normal dudes from the West Coast <laughs> were like, what did you bring us to? <laughs> um but, and then of course it was fine because it was great. But, um, wow, what
1: a great show.
2: Yeah. So I did know that. And I also took my parents to see Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And then I ended up working with, you know, Greg Jabara and Joanna Gleason, uh, and loved it. So, yeah, no, I was a huge David Yazbek fan. Um, oh, good.
1: Yeah. He's, yeah. he's just in. an incredible, I, there's genius is probably the right word for him. Um, the band's visit is probably. The, the most beautiful show I've ever seen. I mean, just- was gorgeous, even, yeah. I explain this to people. I say, you can't even call it like a musical. It's like, like you, you would describe like Picasso. You wouldn't say, oh, that's a painting. It's just like on a whole other level.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I agree.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. <sighs>
1: Let's talk about TV. So you've appeared in, you know, everything from The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend to Fosse Verdon. Um, did you find it easy to transition to the screen after doing so much theater?
2: Uh, you know, the the big, you know what helped me the most was uh, Kate Weatherhead and Andrew Keenan-Bolger's web series, Submissions Only. So when I was doing Importance of Being Earnest, I got a call from Kate saying, hey, I think we're going to do this... I don't even know if she called it a web series then. Cause it was like, this is 2010, 11. And she was like, I wrote this part, would you do it? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Why not? What do I care? It would be so fun. And I loved her and Colin Hanlon and you know, all that the cast also was great. And then, you know, we did that for several years and I think what it forced me to do, and I think other people probably feel this way too. It just forced you to get comfortable in front of a camera really quickly, because again, there's no time, you know, all these people, they're all your friends. And then you get to watch like, oh, what's working, what's not working? Uh, what did they use? What didn't they use in the edit? And, uh, I think that was a huge help in getting, cause it is so different. I mean, the, the core is the same, the impetus to tell the story and be playing these characters is the same, but you know theater you do everything a gazillion times you've 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 walked through every corner of every scene you know so many times and on camera you, you don't even you barely talk to, talk about it at all you barely read it you just yeah. show up and you got to do it um so yeah it's a challenge but i think uh i think it would be far easier it's far easier going from theater to camera than the opposite I think oh, that definitely. A nightmare. I
1: definitely think that's true. I mean, just, you know, sometimes seeing... It's interesting, you know, I just spent a week in London and there the actors seamlessly go back and forth, you know, mm-hmm. from one to the other. And I guess also because it, London is where the West End is and London is where the yeah. studios are. And so, you know, they don't... It's not like you have to divide people into West Coast and East Coast. But here mm-hmm. I think it's harder because people that do a lot of TV live in L.A., And maybe that they don't get to be on stage as much. So I think it's not quite.
2: They don't, you know, they don't really. I think it sounds the realities of being in a show eight times a week. It's not for the faint of heart. You know, it's not. This is a grind. You know, you can be a regular on a TV show and work maybe one, two days a week. Uh, If you're in any role in a play, you're there every day (laughs) (laughs) for six days, you know, of the week. So, yeah, it's a whole different thing.
1: So on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, there's a lot of fun and uh, sort of inventive songs. How does singing for the small screen differ from singing on stage? Like, do they do it Uh, all in one take or like how? No,
2: no, it couldn't be more different. I mean, that's one of the things... You know, the uh, because the speed, you know, television, the the speed at which it moves, it ha- in order for it to be profitable, it has to be very fast. So, you know, you wouldn't we wouldn't get sheet music of our songs. No, it would be like, hey, we've got you're not in this scene. Can we grab you? You go into the recording booth. You're looking opposite the composer who is kind of either maybe you've gotten a demo at this point of them singing it. But again, nothing written down, so it's like, hey, can you just sing these? Just sing this little, uh, this passage, and they'll they'll sing it out loud for you. Ba ba da. Just do that. Da da da. Got it. Let's move on to the next one. So you're literally, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) And then you're waiting for them to, you know, they're gonna edit it together, and then they're gonna hope they're gonna send it to you because then you're gonna lip sync to yourself. With the edits that they chose, and you don't know what this how we're going to shoot it, right? So there was one song in in the show that I did, which they filmed in one take, and they told me they wanted to film it in one take the day before or two days before we started uh, shooting it, and I was terrified. I stayed up till like four in the morning listening to that edited, uh, uh, you know, the song that I was going to lip sync to because I knew they wanted to do it in one take just a couple minutes like me like walking and I had no idea what I was going to be doing this is uh I could if I wanted to I was so scared of like you know we're in traffic granted I was they were taking very good care of me and everybody um but it's stressful because there's no rehearsal and it's <laughs> yeah. on camera so it's but gonna live forever
1: but what happens if your take while you're singing it isn't how you want to play that scene. Like that's it,
2: right? You don't get to record it. How you want to play that scene. You don't even know what scene it's going to be in. Like you're, you don't even know, like, you know what I mean? You have, you have limited information about how it's going to function. That's just the difference. I mean, again, but I would say also frozen, for example, I never got a script for frozen. I had no idea what the story was, until I saw the movie, Um, which, you know what, to be honest, that's fine. No, it's just so, it's such a different way of working than uh, on stage, where we're all on the same page, and ultimately, we're the ones in control of it. Um, But how do you know
1: how to play, like, if you don't know the rest of the script, how do you know if he's really a villain or if he's supposed to be well, like, well, like or I guess the director because, tells you. Yeah, but it also
2: doesn't matter. That, that's what's, that's also a great, um, just kind of an acting thing. Like that's a great, the bottom line is in each of those scenes, what do I need for Frozen? For example, you know, if the action is, uh, you know, get this girl to like me, you like this girl, get this girl to like me. That's it. If he has ulterior motives, none of those can show up anyway. You know, so it doesn't matter. Like, in some ways, that doesn't matter. I'm sure... Uh, and again, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing in an attribute of being on camera or the the audio stuff for uh, animated work. You give so many options that you're arming them... You're arming mm-hmm. the editor and the writer and the director with here are all the ways I think this could work. <laughs> yeah. And if you have any ideas or notes that you want me, I'm happy to do it another way, which is kind of what we do in theater in rehearsals. And we all yeah. kind of choose which version do we think is best. I mean, there's a great story. I can't remember who it's attributed to, but there's an actor who had done a lot of theater who goes onto a TV set and says to the director, okay, I could play it like this, or I could also do this. Or like, what about if I did it like that? Do, or do you want it more like that? And the director said, we hired you to pick that. We don't care. <laughs> you do what you think we're supposed to do, and we'll tell yeah. you if we don't like it. Um, it is, uh, yeah, it's just a different. It's like a completely yeah. different playground. Just I guess it's worked playground.
1: for a hundred years. So who am I to question it, right? Well, eh, but
2: you're not wrong in that. It, it's all different, right? Everybody's yeah. the end where every every actor on camera. I'm sure Kristen. I'm sure Kristen Bell had the knew the full story. She would have had to. I think she also is Mm -hmm. in all of it. So,
0: um,
2: so it's different. Everyone has a different. You know, I remember doing um, on Shades of Blue, the show I did with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Ray Liotta, which was a cop show. We we didn't know where it was going by the end of the first season, but she did. Because and right. she would remember, she would be giving us crumbs of like, oh, wait, but that's not going to work if we do that. Because in episode huh. six, this, and we'd be like, wait, what happens in episode six? <laughs> Tell exactly. us. Um, well, and
1: I guess also it's the same for shows that have multi-season, you know, yeah. like the last, like if you did the first season of Lost, you wouldn't oh, know yeah. that the last season would end this way. You are just going by what's happening on that script right then and there
2: you have no clue and you have signed up to tell the story however they choose to tell it yeah it's true it, it is uh it's very different
1: fascinating um so in addition to your work in the theater and on the screen you've also sung with a large number of orchestras ranging from the New York Phil to Sesame Street Muppets um how did you start? a career in concerts of this scale.
2: You know, this all it's funny. It goes back to when we were talking about before people knew I sang, really the uh, Ted Sperling, uh, conductor, you know, music arranger, Tony winner himself for light in the piazza. He had, he was working at the public and I had done a reading of something where I hadn't sung in a long time. And, um, he said, you know, would you be interested in ever doing concerts like with orchestras? And I was like, uh, sure. If you think I could, like, it was also terrifying. My wife, I was dating my wife at the time. And I remember being like, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> this is scary. I need a character. I need a rehearsal. I want to like, no, I want to talk about it. Um, and it, to be honest, now it's one of like the most favorite things I do, because if someone calls me and asks me to sing with an orchestra I will say yes. (laughs) It's just so um, special. And Ted is really responsible for introducing me to that world. And I've sung now with him all over the country, all over the country in various, you know, great, you know, (laughs) venues with great orchestras. Um, And I love it. I love it. Very few people get to do it and I'm lucky to get to.
1: Yeah. Um, well you sing a lot of Broadway and songbook. Uh, do you have a favorite genre of music that isn't one of those? Um, You know,
2: I was, I was kind of brought up in the, uh, I was a jazz kid. So I played jazz piano with, uh, the jazz band in high school. And that was kind of the music in my household. Um, and that I grew up with. I also was obsessed with Stevie wonder, strangely. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you know, I would listen to whatever was on the radio when I was a kid. But um, in these concerts, no, I mean, typically the concerts, you know they they tell you what you're singing,
1: yeah. <laughs> and you're yeah, like, so.
2: great, all right, can't wait. Um, and can also,
1: uh, yeah, with the and orchestra, also you
2: have a big orchestra of sixty pieces, or you know, the the the, the orchestra that I sang with in. Um, in utah that was a hundred piece orchestra like wow they're not going to be yeah they're not going to do a disco number like it's not going to work <laughs> it, won't, okay. it won't make sense yeah
1: an orchestra of a hundred that's
0: like yeah what a dream yeah yeah yeah.
1: because yeah. even it on is. broadway i think it's the house minimums you know the biggest year has like what 26 i think 20 or something.
2: something yeah exactly yeah. So you get to go, you know, I mean, I've, yeah. Carnegie Hall a handful of times and we uh, New York Philharmonic in Lincoln center. It's glorious. It's just such a unique. It's also what you were saying earlier about to be in a room with all those instruments and watching it happen live. And we don't know, how is it going to go? What's going to happen? Is someone going to make a mistake? Is this going to, you know, that's thrilling. It's thrilling
1: so fun so we do a lot of 54 sings tributes like we you know we do 54 sings gaga or 54 celebrates like david bowie and then artists also do that like we had jared specter did a springsteen show and then um was it anahem Hampton calloway just did a peggy lee show so mm. if you were to do a sentino fontana sings show what what would it be
2: Oh God. I don't know. Uh I would need time to marinate on that and get back to you. Um
1: I am get to on that.
2: Yeah, do it.
1: I'm not sure.
2: I don't know. I'll I, I will de- but I will definitely think about it. I'm afraid to say the wrong thing and then be like somehow, you know, stuck to it. Um
1: I don't know. Well, we're, whatever it is, we're going to, we'll be here for it. We'll we'll be excited (laughs) to market it. Uh, It's funny, a lot of, um, you know, we get a lot of artists who they just, you know, want to come here and do their own music or they want to do something super quirky that, you know, maybe people are not used to having them sing. And it's like, um, that's kind of the great thing about cabaret but also mm-hmm. it's a little bit of me as a marketer is like, well, people want to hear you sing this because they love you in this. So yeah. you know, it's kind of a little bit of a balance, I think. Like, um, And I think somebody like, for example, Norbert Leo Butz is always great about doing his own thing, but also just giving just enough of what the audience really, really wants no, so he draws. The, I think he draws the line at Wicked, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, everything else he does, you know, throw in a few things here or there, or reorchestrate them. But, um, but mostly he does his own stuff that he loves, and and it works beautifully because he's you know got the audience gets what they want, and then he gets what he wants. But it's so, mm-hmm. so interesting to me, um, you know, just kind of the musical choices of artists come through the door and sometimes I think, oh, oh what's that going to be? Does that artist even have enough songs? You know, and they do. It's incredible. You sit there and you're like, wait, I didn't know that that song was written by so-and-so. You know, it, it just mm-hmm. turns out to be such a revelation. And those are such great shows um, because you, you're you also learning something as an audience member. Yeah. So. Thanks so much for your time, Santino. Whatever your next show is, we're looking forward to it. Thank you. Where can be? Can, are you on social media? Can people find I am,
2: you? Yes, at Santino Fontana, both on Instagram and Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it, and Threads. <laughs> oh my God, I just joined
1: Threads. So I'm going to find know. you there. <laughs> okay. It is
2: amazing, though. I will say, having as weird as it can be, social media, it is. Uh, people, they pay attention. If they want to come out, they come out. It's great. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. I have, you know, had only good experiences on social media. So I'm a fan. I've met a lot of fans, like of theater, fellow fans. In fact, I was with somebody at 54 Below the other night who I met from theater Twitter. He and I, wow. because we're older, were on Twitter in two thousand nine together met as one of the few people who were on you know th- discussing theater and after all of these years we've actually become friends so i've only had wow. good. wow so, that's great um, i think nowadays it's a little different but the the first the original theater crowd who was like on there discussing things and you know there weren't that many of us initially so right. um, we all kind of all know each other from those same great so at santino fontana Otherwise, we will see you here in September, September 10, 12, 13, and 14 at 7 p.m. Thanks again so much. This was so fun. Thank Um, you. I look forward to meeting you in person. And thanks to everybody out there listening. Hope to see you uh, for Santino's show. You've been listening to the 54 Below podcast, part of the Broadway Podcast Network. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. To find out more about our upcoming shows, visit us at 54below.org. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from
0: underrepresented backgrounds. If you work